Episode 209 of the Bevan James Oil Show, going back to default. Radio team, welcome along to episode 209 of the Bevan James. I'll show you a fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I'm sitting in my office right now. It's, um, I'm actually record, I don't not often record this on the day it gets released, but my weekend, I normally do it on the Saturday before the day it gets released, which I released it on a Monday. But today, I was this weekend, I had a few other things on, so I'm sitting in my office, I'm looking at the view, and it's a beautiful day outside, and, and I'm in a happy place, so that's a good place to be. Today's show, um, today's show is a Bevan episode, uh, and in today's show, what I'm doing here is I'm going into a subject that I've been thinking a lot about lately, and it's been a good example in my own life, and I just think there's some good lessons. I'm calling it Going Back to Default, and uh, you'll hear more about that later on, which is kind of cool. Uh, just, I do want to talk about one other little quick on a little bit before the main gist of the show so uh, I was doing uh, with my marketing for my running business marketing's always a mission and you're always trying to figure out the formula that gets somebody to actually join your product our business always has a struggle because people want to join us but they're afraid to join us because uh, we try to target new exercises so I'm always trying to figure out that magic formula and one thing I've been doing in this latest magic formula of marketing is just in each day on Facebook doing kind of educational videos kind of four to five minutes long uh, which has a bit of a sales pitch at the end for our product but at the end of the day just trying to teach people some pretty cool lessons and I did one the other day which I've probably talked about in some way shape or form on this podcast before but I just thought it's a really good message to reinforce and I talked about how um, where do I start so the, the premise of the, the talk that I was talking about is sometimes in life we have a decision that we know we should make and we know is going to be really positive, but we don't make it. And I say that again because it's really important. We have a decision that we know we should make and we know it's going to be positive and it's going to have a massive good effect on our lives, but we don't make it. And I wanted to share an experience that I had a few years ago. And again, I'm sure I've talked about this on the show in the past, but I just wanted to reinforce it again today. So around about, Oh, probably about 10, 15 years ago. No, it'd be 15 years ago. I had a moment of experiencing depression in my life. Now, I'm very lucky in my life because I'm not someone who had experienced up until that point in time, uh, has experienced depression up until that point in time. And also, I'm not somebody who had, since that point in time, had depression since. It's not something that I have in my life. I'm very lucky that it's not because depression is a tough one and for people who are suffering it's 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 a it's a tough journey it's really tough but at this moment in my life I started to experience a little bit of depression and depression for me was a really interesting thing there was this kind of the thoughts you know that kind of um insecure thoughts and those vulnerable thoughts and the um uncertain thoughts that come off that time but the real thing it represented to me was more of a physical thing so inside my stomach I would have this kind of dreary kind of feeling in my stomach. And it was just kind of like this presence that sat inside my physical self all the time. It was just kind of there. And, and it, you, 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 like it, wasn't, like it wasn't like a physical thing. It wasn't like I could feel my stomach hurting. But there was just kind of this feeling in my stomach. And it was a presence that was there all the time. 
And at this time, I, I kind of deep down knew it was... Now, I kind of think on a scale of depression, this would probably would have been a low-level scale of depression, but it was definitely a presence in my life that I knew was not right. I felt uncomfortable with, I knew it was not right, and I was kind of struggling with. And when it first appeared... Um, I'm a kind of my, my attitude in life is you work through things. So my my attitude was you know, you know, be positive, work hard through it, and you you know this will just disappear. So I kind of at first it appeared, and I just kind of thought this isn't right. But you know, if you you keep your approach, I was the approach that works for everything else you do, and it will disappear. And unfortunately for me, my my traditional strategies just wasn't working. And the thing about this experience of depression that I was having was that. It wasn't really getting any worse. So it kind of came along and for a couple of weeks I was just trying to, you know, positive thinking, you know, kind of do all the things that I would traditionally do in tough times. And after a couple of weeks, it just wasn't getting any better. And I remember thinking to myself, because I was, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a positive guy, you know, and, and I'm a leader in my community. And, and maybe there's, I felt a bit of shame around feeling depression. I'm not quite sure. But I remember thinking to myself, if it gets worse... I'll do something about it. If it gets worse, I'll do something about it. So at this stage, the strategies that I was trying wasn't really working, but it also it wasn't kind of growing, the depression that I was experiencing. So that stomach feeling was just sitting there and it was a presence that was always there, but it, it wasn't really growing. So in my mind, I just had this thing of, well, if it gets worse, I'll do something about it. Another month goes by. And again, it hadn't grown, but it hadn't got better. And I have to admit, it wasn't a place that I liked being in in my life. So it wasn't a good place in my life. And all the strategies I was using, and the strategies were at this stage were very much about me trying to figure it out by myself. And again, that might partly have been shame, might not want to share with others. So after about six weeks of feeling this way, I remember I thought, you know, I'm going to have a bit of a chat to a mate about it. I remember just talking to my mate and I just said, mate, we just got this funny gut feeling. I just, I know I'm not right. I'm, you know, I don't think I'm majorly depressed, but something's kind of not right in my life right now. And I said, Bev, why don't you just get some help? Why don't you just go see someone and get some help for it? And I, quite, I suppose deep down in myself, I knew that was always a solution. But the problem I had in my head was this thing of, if it gets worse, then I'll do something about it. But because it wasn't getting worse, I basically stayed in the same place for a long time. And after kind of finally opening up to a friend that I trusted and, and them just saying, hey, Beef, just get some help. I went and got some help. And um, within a very short period of time, this was a thing that I moved on from in my life and haven't gone back to since, which I'm very lucky for. Um, but what was really fascinating about this experience for me was allowing myself to sit in a place which I knew I needed to change but didn't change and justified it because if it gets worse, I'll do something about it, allowed me to stay in this place was a problem for me. And then ultimately, once I made that decision to go and get some help, the path changed instantly. And, and when I t- I'm talking about the, uh, the video I did on Facebook. I talk about one of our runners. We've got a lady called Lizzie who does our Get Up To Five group. And I got Lizzie to do a testimonial for us a few months ago, and, and I was just kind of curious with our runners, what does it feel like when you actually decide to join up? Because if I go back to one of our struggles of our marketing is that people look at our product for so long, they're so afraid that they, they it's, a, it's kind of like what I was saying, is that they want to join up, they know they should join up, but there's something that's holding them back from joining up. And it might be that in their life with their health and fitness, it's, it's not good, 
but they think to themselves, if it gets worse, then I'll do something about it. And so when I was doing this testimonial for Lizzie, I was kind of asking her, what was it like that moment you joined up to do Get Up to Five? And she said to me, Bev and I felt a sense of relief. I felt empowered because I knew I had a plan and I knew I was making a change in my life. I felt relief, empowered, because I knew I had a plan and I knew I was making a change in my life. And I've got to be honest, when I think back to the experience of my kind of mild-level depression that I had, when I kind of contacted the person who could help me in a more kind of formal way, that's what I felt as well. And this is often a problem for a lot of people because we know there's change we should make. But for some reason, we allow ourselves to sit in a place where we justify not making the change. And it could be that if it gets worse, then I'll do something about it. That could be some of the problems. I'm not, there probably are more other justifications that we have that hold us in this space. But then once you make that decision, if I think of Lizzie, if I think of me, and I'm sure if you think of yourself in areas of your life where you have made that change, once you make that decision, a massive shift in your energy focuses. Like you think of Lizzie when she's, she's finally clicked on sign up and paid her money for Get Up to Five. In that moment, she felt relief. She felt empowered. She felt she had a plan. She knew she was making a change. And then, you know, six months later, Lizzie's running 10Ks. She's, you know, training to do a first half marathon. I got through that moment. So sometimes in life, and if you're listening to this right now, and you know deep down in yourself you've got that area, and maybe you can identify that right now. Like, what is that area for you where you're sitting and you're going, I know I need to change, but I'm not doing something about it. And I'm justify it by using excuses like if it gets worse or whatever that excuse is for you. Sometimes the hardest thing you have to do is just make the decision to change. Like sometimes that's the hardest bit. Like with my Get Up to Five program, once people join up, they're gangbusters, they kill it, they do so well. When I decided to get help, I moved forward quickly. Sometimes in life, making the decision is the hardest thing. Actually, another, another decision, we've got one of our runners right now. Uh, she, had a, she had a horrible job, overstressed, overworked, underappreciated, not in a good place. And she just quit it last week. Last week she quit. She didn't have another job to go to. Like it's, you know, quite a vulnerable self to put, plus to put yourself in in life. But she knew it was bad for her life. And so she quit. And that's a decision I'm sure she sat on for a long time. But she, I was talking to her this morning. She said, Bev, I know I'm going to find another job. I'm going to be fine. But I just feel so much better because I made that choice. If you know in your life right now that you've got an area that you know you just need to make the choice on, help yourself by making the choice. Help yourself. And, and probably on top of that, think of the areas that stop you from making the choice. Like, for example, me getting the help, knowing me, because I'm such a tight ass, me getting help probably was because I didn't want to spend the money on getting the support. Probably. It probably had something to do with it. I guarantee it. Because that would have been, I, I always think, oh, do I need to spend the money? You know, I, I probably spent all together of getting help probably a couple hundred bucks, maybe two or three hundred bucks. It was a great investment. So what are those areas that stop you from making the decision? Because for you to progress forward, for you to make change, especially in big areas, the first thing you need to do is decide to change. So what are those areas for you? What are the things that are holding you back? And how can you help yourself get to the point where you just decide to make a change? Now, we could talk about what you do once you need to get a change. You need to get the right people around you. You need to find a, a plan. You need to get good support. You need, you know, you need to design a pathway forward that's going to help you be successful. There's work to be done once you decide to make a change. But that won't happen until you decide to make a change. 
So I just want to share that with you today because I was, as I did the video and I watched the video, I thought, geez, that's such an important message that so many people need to be reinforced because sometimes it's just a decision is the thing that's holding us back. Uh, before I get into the main just of today's show, I just want to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. The patrons of the show are people who actually donate money every time I release an episode of the show. And I really appreciate the patrons because um, you just actually really big supporter show, so I really appreciate it. Uh, and these people are some of the patrons. We've got Jen, the Mind Feeder Pillipo, Pillipo, I should say. We've got Martin, the Assassin Kelly. We've got uh, Adija, the cool name. Appen, <laughs> uh, Adam. Uh, Lionheart Philby and Adam I know Adam and he's just been here he had to go to uh, Abu Dhabi for work and he's based in the UK and he basically spent for a four I think he had to work for like 10 days and it's been like 10 to 12 days on either side in lockdown so he basically had a month where nearly two thirds of it was in lockdown so absolutely crazy stuff uh, Jared Cool Calm Collected Becca Belinda the Happy Hardcore Thomas and then Emily I've got, I've got to wear shades, cargo. These are all people who support the show. So for those who are patrons, thank you so much for being a patron. If you want to support me and what I do, just go to Bevan James Isles, look up podcasts, and then you'll see support me. Go through the process, and that way you can support me and what I am doing. Anyway, let's get into the main gist of today's show. What is your default? This is what this whole kind of main gist of today's show is going to be around. And how do you shift your default? And then how do you maintain your default? Or at least how do you maintain your new default? Mm, Where am I going with this? So if you listen to the show, you know one of my biggest tools is my weekly meeting. Every Sunday, I get up, I grab a cup of coffee, I put some cool music on, I come into my office, or sometimes I do it on my laptop, and I work through my week. And there's a process I go through this. I, I basically read my last week and I assess what I did well in my last week. And then I look at my objectives and the important areas of my life. So for me, this is fitness, it's a career, it's investing, it's friends and family, it's my music. So these are the kind of key areas. I look at my goals, what I'm trying to achieve in those areas. And then I kind of go, what are my objectives for this week in that area? Once I've done that, I also choose one of my values. So this week I'm focusing on happiness. Once I've done it, then I get my calendar out and I plan kind of the time of my week. Uh, and this is one of my tools. And then what I do is I get up each morning, I read my Bevan book, I look at my calendar, and then I write down my objectives for the day. And what this is doing is about me helping me be a higher version of myself. And it's a tool I've used for a long time, and it's a tool I try to be really consistent with. And interestingly, last week I didn't do it. Last week I didn't do my weekly meeting, and I'm not quite sure why, because it's been a long time since. Uh... And I was not a good version of myself last week. No, no, now don't don't get me wrong. I wasn't, you know, drunk, eating crap food, not, you know, wasting my whole week away. But I was definitely a 70% version of myself. I definitely was. So it's a tool in my life that helps keep me at my highest level. I'm a real big believer in to me to be at my highest level, I need tools to get me to that place. And my weekly meeting and my week morning objective sessions are two of the most important tools that I use. And what was really great about last week was as much as it was a 70% week for me, it reinforced it. Oh, it was, you need to be using those tools. So yesterday, I got up, I did my weekly meeting. Now, recently, you know, again, this is a tool that I've used for years. I've used it 
God for a long, long time. And again, I think it's really valuable. And it's a tool that my I wanted to introduce to my partner, Joe. We were kind of in a place in our life where we we were just kind of, well, I wouldn't say we're in a bad place, but we're just kind of going through the motion. That's a good way of putting it. Going through the motion. Uh, Joe was also a little bit kind of dissatisfied in some areas of what she was doing uh, relationship-wise. We, we were in an unhappy place, but we're just going through the motion. And uh, Joe, one thing that when you're like me, is I always think it's not my job to tell other people how to live their lives. So I've got some really cool tools that work for me, and if people want to adapt them and bring them into their lives, by all means. But you know, it's not my job to tell. You know, especially my partner. I'm, you know, I'm not, my job's not to tell Joe how to live a life. Um, it's to support her in the way that she lives her life. But so I often don't really kind of tell her or, or suggest that she does tools um, unless she really asks for me to help. But we were kind of in a place where we, we both identified we were just kind of going through the motions. And so I just said to Joe, how about we start doing the weekly meeting together? And at first, Joe was a little bit resistant. She was a bit like, oh, that's your thing. I don't, I, I don't work like you. And I kind of get it. Joe's different to me. She doesn't work like me. She doesn't need to do my thing. And so I kind of get it. And I said, well, can we just give it one try? Let's, let's just one time have a weekly meeting together. And uh, Joe had some things we had to work on. One of her things was Joe. Joe's such a high service person. Like if of our business, I'm really proud of our business because we provide such high service. And Joe cares so much about our customers that one thing she hadn't done very well was set some boundaries around that. So, you know, Joe, if someone sends Joe an email, it's kind of if someone says jump, Joe goes how high, and which is a really good thing for our business. But at times it proves to be a problem because. Joe didn't have the ability to shut off. So we kind of sat down in the first weekly meeting and we kind of just did that process of what areas you want to grow in, uh, what are some objectives you want to work on. And one of those areas was to put some boundaries in place around her time. So one of her boundaries was to put an out in office on on a Friday, um, to not check emails at certain times a day and so on. Just those kind of basic boundary things. Another thing is that uh, she'd moved away from running. Now, Joseph, my wife's an extremely fit woman. Uh, she was doing lots of cycle classes. She was fit, but running is kind of her nice mind space. In the last period of time, she just moved away from running. So she just wanted to get back into some running. So these are two examples of the things that in the first weekly meeting we did together, Joe identified. Actually, one of the other ones was that once a week, Joe and I will have dinner at the table because we tend to eat dinner while watching the news just in the lounge it's kind of our habit uh, so our, our nighttime routine is tend to watch the news have dinner um i'll go clean up and then we'll kind of watch one tv show and then go to bed and read so uh, we decided that one night a week we're gonna have dinner at the table and we're not allowed to talk about work because when you own a business and both your the couple works in the business you can often just get into that habit when you do give yourself time to be together all you do is talk about work. And so the whole idea was I, I downloaded some, I found some internet websites where they had questions for couples and it was just kind of fun questions and we'd grab a couple of questions each time we had dinner and the whole idea was you sit down and just have a nice connection moment. And I remember the first night we did it, we did it in our lounge, or sorry, in our dining area. And the second night we did it, we got a deck outside and we're lucky because we live on a hill and we've got a beautiful view and it was a beautiful night and it was both really special times. And so we did the weekly meeting for a couple of times in a row. And the effect was massive. Now, for me, it was kind of stuff I did anyway, so it kept me to the higher level. But on the relationship stuff, those moments of connection. So the, the dinner was one example, but we also set some other examples of stuff we had to do. And we did them, and, and the benefit was huge. And then also Joe with the setting boundaries and getting back to her running. So by the end of that first week, when we sat down to the... So what we did is we kind of did the weekly meeting, and then the next week we kind of did, how'd you go? 
you know, as we started the week, we just kind of each of us talked through our week and looked at our objectives and how did we do and where do we improve and so on. And then we set the next week's objectives. Well, after the first weekly meeting, it was really obvious this was a really valuable tool. Like it was really valuable. We'd had the dinner, we'd had some connection moments, we felt definitely felt more aligned than what we were. Um, Joe had set her boundaries in place, she'd got back to running, she was feeling good about her running. I had got to a sharp place. It was a tool that was just obviously valuable. So we did the weekly meeting again. Second week comes along, do it again. And again, if, if anything, the value of this tool is it's not just that you feel good about the week. You kind of see an evolution of the week. And that's what happened in the second week. It kind of just went to the next level. So there's this really valuable tool that we're putting in place. And it was a kind of a tool that you're just kind of going, oh, wow, if we keep this up for a long time, what does it mean? You know, and that's often what you do when you do create behavior change, isn't it? You know, you, 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 you know, you go on a diet and you, you'd stick at it for four days and you lose a kg and you think, geez, what does this mean if I stick at this? Or, or you start a training plan and you stick at the program for a couple of weeks and you're doing really well and you think, what does this mean if I keep doing this up? It means that I'm going to become a really good athlete or it means I'm going to have a deeper connection with my relationship or it means I'm going to lose the weight or if it's in a skill-based thing, it means I'm going to be bang, bang, bang. And that's what we're kind of where we're at. And then for some reason, I'm not quite sure why, but we missed the next weekly meeting. Uh, it kind of fell by the wayside. And uh, and then maybe we did the week after that. So maybe we did, in, in a month, we did two on, one off, and then one on. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've kind of forgotten to do it. And it's partly, partly two reasons. A, one was... One Sunday we had to get up and just go. So we kind of, whatever it was, we had to get up and go. And then I think we were planning to do it on a public holiday on the Monday, but Monday, public holiday, but it didn't happen. And then uh, the next week, it didn't happen again. I'm not quite sure why. Now, interestingly, the second week, I have done it by myself. So that's interesting. But what's been really interesting is the slippage back to default. So last week, we didn't have dinner at the table. Um, last week, I'm not quite. I, I don't know about Joe's running in her boundaries, but I'm I'm sure there's probably a bit of slippage in that way. And what's probably happened for both of us? And and like like I talked about how I didn't do my weekly meeting last week, and how I was a seventy percent version of myself. It's almost like without this tool, we go back to default. And default for us can be where we're a little bit too busy occupying, not connecting in our relationship, or um, we're not looking after our health to a level that we want to. That can be, that's the default. And often what happens in life is we want to create change and we kind of try to introduce some tools. And we have tools and intention is probably what I'm going to say. You know, as it is that date night thing, isn't it? Is that so many couples do this. You know, they get to a place where they know they're not in a great space and they go, we need to do something that's about committing for the relationship. And they go, we're going to do a date night. And just, you know, Joe and I's dinner at the table. And then, you know, week one, you do it all enthusiastically. And then week two, it's a little bit hard. It's, it's easier just to get in front of the TV and watch TV again tonight, isn't it? Because that's the default. And so often what happens is we, we go through moments of change. We try to find tools and intent but it gets a little bit hard and we go back to default. And default, sometimes default's really bad. For some people, default's a really bad place. 
It could be overeating, it could be not moving, it could be highly stressed, it could be disconnecting with their world. Sometimes people's default is actually a really bad space in life. And then you've got people whose default's not terrible. Like I would say my default and Joe's default is actually pretty good, but it's not great. And this can often be what happens when we want to create change in our life. As we get to this place where we want to make change, we find tools and intent, and we do it for a period of time, and we actually see the value of it. We understand, oh, well, if I keep this up, I'm going to get to here. But then something happens where we don't keep it up. And I often think, I don't know, if, I don't think it's laziness. I just think that default is easy. I'll say it again, because you could say that laziness is easy, but I don't think it is. I just think that default is effortless. Change takes effort. So the weekly meeting, Joe and I haven't got the weekly meeting to a default yet. We've, what we've done is we've had a couple of moments where we've put effort in to put the in, but it's not default. And the, so what's happened is because we haven't nailed those effort moments, we go to what's easy, and easy is default. I, I hope this is kind of clicking. So like, think about yourself. Think about an area of your life where you have default. What's that area of your life that's default? And let's say it's an area where you would like to be better. Now, you could be a person where your default is actually really terrible, or you could be somewhere where your default's not bad, but you just want to be a little bit better. For you to bring the right tools and intent to get to a higher level, you're going to have to put effort in place. And for Joe and I, it's the weekly meeting. And in the last five, six weeks, we've got it right 50% of the time. But we haven't got it to where the better behavior is the new default. And that's what we want to try to get to. Like, so ideally, if I think about Joe and myself, we want to get it so it's Sunday's weekly meeting is just what happens. Like, we get it to that point where it's not an effort thing anymore. It's just uh, the new default. You know, from there, we could then maybe even evolve what's a higher level on top of that. But at this stage, the main thing is just trying to get this to default. So where am I going with this with you today? Well, I think the first thing I want to you identify is what's an area of your life where you know your default could be improved? It could be an area where it's really low. So it could be that really bad area of your life. Uh, or it could be just an area where you know you're not doing bad, but you know you could do better. What intent and tools do you need? So the intent could be, the intent is I want to have deeper connection with my partner. The intent is I want to feel more like an athlete when I'm training. The intent is I want to um, feel healthier. That's the intent. And then what are the tools I need to create to create the behavior change that will help me get there? In my example, it's the weekly meeting. You could be getting, it's interesting, watching my daughter. I love watching my, I love my daughter. God, I love my daughter. Um, and I'm really proud of my daughter. And my daughter's becoming this really awesome young woman. Um, my daughter struggled through her teenage years and she was a bit lost as a soul and kind of made some mistakes. Not not huge life mistakes, but it kind of meant that as she went into adulthood, she wasn't set up in the best way she possibly could be. But I tell you what, she's nearly 24 and she's just become this ambitious young lady who's kind of figuring out life in a way for herself in a really cool way. And one thing she's, you know, like she's getting into fitness and my, my daughter's always been kind of um, you know, healthy. She, you know, she's in good health, but she's kind of recently got a PT and joined the gym and, um, you know, like she, she's running, she's getting into it. You know, and I, I always give her a hard time. I say, oh no, you want to be just like your dad. And uh, but I, one thing that's, actually, I'll talk about something here, which is really important. 
it was just kind of off the subject. And I'll come back to the subject. I'm going to be like Billy Connolly. You know the, the, the comedian Billy Connolly? He'd, he'd start a joke and then he'd go way left field and then at the end he'd come back to the joke. Well, then it's really important. If you've got an area in your life that you're really strong in and somebody else is going on their journey in that life, is let them have their journey. In the book that I'm writing, or that I've written, that's in the process of going through, going through the process, and I tell you what, you're going to hear about it when it comes out. The last chapter in this book is, because it's about helping people learn to love exercise, and the last kind of journey, and each chapter is this journey these people need to go through, is to help somebody else learn to love exercise. So by this stage in their journey, the people who buy the book, is they actually, they've loved, they've got exercise in their life, they love it. So then the job is to kind of feed, kind of spread the, spread the love, spread the love of the movement. And one thing I talk about in the book is that often, people who are of a higher level, when somebody wants to come into their world, it's almost like they spend most of their time just wanting to show how great they are in their world, and they don't let the person who's coming into the world have the experience they need to have. And I'll, I'll use my daughter right now. So my daughter is getting into exercise, and she's got this young PT, and she really loves her PT, and she's raving about her PT. So it's obvious she's um, PT, the female PT, who's she's doing really great work because my daughter's feeling stimulated. She's seeing results. Um, my daughter, she's well, she's loving exercise. So my PT, that PT is doing something great. Now I could give many lessons to my daughter right now. I've been in exercise for twenty five years. I know pretty much most things people are going to need to know about exercise and and I could give her tips along the way and I could tell her when you get to this moment you're going to feel this that's not my job my daughter needs to learn and have her own experiences along the way if I at every moment say this is what you're going to experience now and this is how you're going to feel now look out for this I'm diminishing her experience now I know the answers to it I could do that and and I could justify that I'm helping her in doing this but it's not what she needs from me. What she needs from me is what I'm doing with my daughter. What I'm doing with my daughter is I'm telling her, I'm so proud of you, babe. I'm loving that you're becoming an adult who knows how to have health in your life really well. I'm reinforcing her identity. And, and I'll just say, oh, I love, you know, tell me about it. And when she tells me she's got sore legs because, I go, oh, you know, I just, wow, that must be, feel really awesome because you've got that satisfaction. So I'm just reinforcing her experience. Now, I know all the things that, I could tell her, or the next step in her journey, but that's not my job. And you see this a lot with runners. People who have done marathon. Two good examples: runners and people who have had babies. Tell you, people who have babies. Anyone's had a baby? When another young person comes, or somebody's having another baby, you don't have to be young, but someone's having another baby comes along, everyone just wants to give advice about what they know. And it's not that advice isn't helpful. But often it's just about you want to show what you are. And you see this with marathon runners. Marathon runners, when somebody else is doing a marathon, they just they just want to show, hey, I know so much about marathons. And that's not your job. It's not your job. Your job is to help them, guide them to have ownership of their own experiences and let them learn their lessons. You know, so when Tyler comes to me with a lesson she needs to learn, I don't tell her the answers. I use questions to help her reinforce her lessons. So, so just if you are somebody who is helping somebody, Remember that. Support them, encourage them, reinforce them, guide them, but let them have their journey. Really important. Now, where was I? Now, if I go back to that Billy Connolly, I think it was about what tools you're going to use. So tools like a mentor. A mentor, geez, I'm glad I found that out because I, I could have gone way left field there. Um, so, so when it comes to the tools, find the tools that will help you create the change and the intent. 
Then you're going to have the first effort moment. And the first effort moment was when Joe and I had the first weekly meeting. And, and often what happens in, in the first effort moment, because we're feeling keen, it's kind of easy. You do that first weekly meeting, you do the first diet plan, you do the first session, and, and, and it feels great. But then the next effort moment comes along. The next Monday night when you've got to have dinner and you're thinking, oh, well, let's just watch Netflix. Those are the moments you've got to catch. Because those are the moments that if you don't catch and put effort into them, you're going to go back to default. And to me, those are the moments where you're going, oh, I need to work right now because I want to create the new default. So, and again, Joe and I haven't been masters at this. We've, you know, Right now, we'd probably give ourselves a 60% grade, probably 50% because we've only really done it half the time. It's not default yet. So as I think of next Sunday, my, one of my main goals is to make sure I put the effort in that Joe and I do the meeting again. And probably as I think forward after that Sunday, maybe one thing we'll put in our weekly meeting is to make sure we do the weekly meeting next week. So that probably, it's probably take two or three months, but in two or three months from now, our weekly meeting will just be the default. Now the flow on effect of the weekly meeting is huge. Because I know that if, if, if I do the weekly meeting, we're going to connect more, we're going to you know, evolve ourselves as people, we're going to have better relationships. You know, There's just so much value from it. I understand the value of doing it. But when the effort moment appeared, I, I got a little bit lazy and went back to default. And what we are trying to do is kind of again is to create a new default in your life so if i go back to you in the area that you identified where you have a default what is the effort or what is the intent you need to have so the intent is what what are you trying to change so it's i'm trying to be healthier i i want to be an athlete i want deeper connection i want to be more creative whatever it is for you i want a better career what is then what is the behavior change I need to create or tools that I'm going to use so but it's probably two steps there what's the behavior change so Joe would be to put effort into my relationship to um, spend more time being creative to plan objectives for my training sessions whatever it is uh, and then what tools am I going to use and then once you've identified what those are is what are your effort moments and how do you maintain effort moments until this new process becomes the new default I've got a client I'm working with recently and um, he'll be listening to this and, and his name's Pete and he's, 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 um, he's, Pete is an amazing example of if you're willing to put work in yourself and consistently work at it a long time you can create a massive change in your life because this man has just done amazingly well and one thing we've done to recently is not just default behaviours but high performance behaviours how do we make Pete a high performance person and, and one of the questions we talked to Pete about was how do we guarantee this happens forever? You know, not you know, because most people have moments of high performance, but how can you guarantee you have this forever? And Pete's just been, you know, we talked about this. We probably had this conversation about six to eight weeks ago, maybe even a little bit longer. In the last six to eight weeks, Pete has been nailing his high performance tools, and we identified all of his tools are, and, and and how do you make sure you're consistent with them? How can you guarantee you do them forever? And he has. And now for Pete. High performance is his default. Now, what's been really cool is watching Pete um, alignment within himself, his confidence, his, his alignment, his mission, his opportunities. He's seeing all this value of being a high performer who sits in a long period of time. But Pete's gone from a place where Pete wasn't in a terrible place, but we really, we really challenged him to be a high performer, and we identified what well, those tools are going to make Pete to be a high performer, and he stuck at it. 
He did lots of effort moments where at first it was not the normal thing to do. But now Pete says to me, Bev, why wouldn't I do it? I'm just so much better. So now high performance is Pete's default. And that's where we want you to get to. And the area you identify to, if you find the the intent, the behaviours and tools, and then you find your effort moments and you keep winning those effort moments, eventually they'll be effortless and that will be your new default. And what's really cool is then you can just devolve it from there. Like where does it go from that point? And that's what we're talking about. If your default in your life is an area which is ultimately not where you want to be, you're going to have to put some work in. But then what you want to really ultimately understand is that once you've done that work, is you've got to find those effort moments. That moment when you think to yourself, we should have date night tonight, but I'll just let's watch Netflix. That's an effort moment. Catch it. No. If I can put the effort in now, this will become the default in my relationship. Find the effort moments. Remind yourself, I'm creating a new default. The effort moment will be worth it. I guarantee if you can do this, you're always going to be a much higher version of yourself and you'll be evolving this in your life. Right, Tim, that's pretty much today's show done and dusted. Hopefully there's something in there for you. I just, yeah, I love the idea. What's your default? What's your default? What's your default? Can you improve your default? It's hard to do. It really is. And that's why those effort moments are really important. You know, it's so easy just to go to default. Um, yeah, so hopefully there's something in that. Uh, I just thought I'd give you a little bit of an update on what's happened with my back. I had my back operation. It's now been about three months. Unfortunately, I have got a sciatica, which is not necessarily what I want. Um, so I've got to work through that and it's definitely teaching me about a little bit of patience because I, I want to be back out exercising how I want to exercise but I've just got to persevere you know you've just got to persevere uh, so that's that's my update on my back anything else I want to share with you before I wrap up today's show I may, I may have talked about this recently but I just want to talk about it quickly again you know what one of the most attractive you, you, you want to be an attractive person in this world this is random random it's just been on my mind lately what do you think is the most attractive thing there's many things that are attractive, I suppose. You know, if, if we look at Instagram, <laughs> it's pretty obvious what Instagram thinks is attractive. Um, to me, being one of the most attractive things in the world is a knowledgeable, passionate person. Knowledgeable, passionate person. Some, and why am I thinking about And I, I guarantee I've talked about this, but um, we've, we've just about finished recording the album for my band. And I went around yesterday, this singer was Dave, was singing some of the songs, and uh, Ren, our, our engineer, was doing engineering and Ren is just this passionate about music guy and Ren what's really interesting is you, you if you looked at Ren he's, he's a bit of a quiet soul so he's not like you know like me I'm enthusiastic I come at you you know when when I arrive you know you'd be ready because it, there's a lot of energy that comes with it and Ren's not that guy but geez he's attractive because when Ren talks about music and Ren Ren you know, he's listening to our songs, he goes, he break it down so well, and he goes, I could do this, and he, he spins some magic, and you, and you just go, oh, Ren, I find you so attractive right now. You know, and, and not, not, not like a sexual attractive, but just what's a personality that's attractive. And it's just a really interesting thing to think about. You know, to me, one of the most attractive things you can have in life is to be passionate and knowledgeable in one area. Um, kind of a random thought, 
I think I just thought I'd want to share that with you guys to wrap it up. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com. It's all pretty obvious on the podcast section. Just go support me. Uh, for all the patrons who are patrons, thank you so much for being a patron. Uh, another way you can support the show is put feedback on your podcatcher, whatever your podcatcher is. That's another good way of doing it. And other than that, that's pretty much today's show done and dusted. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think I've got an interview lined up. Fingers crossed I have. So I'll get that to you in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and yeah. Other than that, rock on, keep being you as always, and I'll see you in two weeks' time.